0: Hi, I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon.
1: Love
2: Talk Radio.
1: Hi, Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the
2: Finsider with the PH.
0: Hey guys, it's Friday night. The Finsider podcast is back up and running and seems to be working well, so uh, it looks like Everything is worked out with Blog Talk Radio. Looks like we'll be able to actually talk some dolphins, preview some dolphins' colts, and see what else is on your guys' mind. You can always join us. Give us a call at 347-326-9461. That's 347-326-9461. You can hit us up on Twitter, which is at TheFensider, PH, if you're listening and don't know the, sh- the website. You can also jump in the live thread over at thefinsider.com. And tonight we're going to try something, which we've done before, and it's been hit or miss. But we're going to try uh, opening up the chat room on Blog Talk Radio. So if you're over on Blog Talk Radio listening to us live, check down below the, uh, the stream, and you should see a chat room, which will open up in just a minute. And you can join in the chat there. Stop laughing at me, James. I'm laughing because I'm I'm waiting for mine to actually open. <laughs> but uh, as, as you can tell, since we just brought him in, James is here tonight. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I am doing okay. I'm going to probably sound like you for a little bit because my allergies are kicking my butt tonight. But uh, same here. Same um, here. I can barely breathe. And uh my eyes've been swollen all day, so I'm feeling pretty awesome i think
1: uh
0: I think this uh this uh summer where we haven't had the massive heat wave through central Texas that we normally have, and it kind of pushed till later into like the end of August first of September to really start getting hot. I think that's just messed up everybody, so now the allergies are all coming in the middle of September.
2: Oh, you Uh, know, it's
0: it's really, really, really cooled down. I mean, it was only like ninety six today. So, yep, yeah, it's uh, fun. I know, uh, I know, you guys in South Florida, you all understand uh, the fun filled heat, but when Central Texas, North Texas decides to turn up the thermometer a little bit or the thermostat a little bit, it's no kidding. Kick your butt hot, but. Uh, we'll get off of central Texas weather, start talking some Dolphins football. Uh, Posted today, James, I don't know if you got a chance to read it yet, something that I thought of, and I I think it probably has a really good shot of happening. The NFL has always had these quarterback rivalries. And, I mean, Marino-Montana was a rivalry, Marino-Kelly, Marino-Bledsoe, There's always those good quarterback rivalries. We obviously have it right now with um, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So there's always these great quarterback rivalries. But who's the next one? Who's the next great quarterback rivalry that's going to develop in the NFL? And you could say it's um, Colin Kaepernick and uh, Russell Wilson. And I can't really argue that. I will say that going with a division rival makes it harder for that to be seen as a quarterback rivalry, just because there's already that hatred. And I know Kelly and Bledsoe were both within the division for the Marino rivalries, but that's why I think Montana was probably the bigger of the quarterback rivalries. So, looking at the landscape of the NFL, I really think that there is a very good possibility that the quarterback rivalry we're going to see develop is Andrew Luck versus Ryan Tannehill, because the only the the other guy that it makes sense for Luck to be the rival with is RG3, but he's in the other conference. They'll only play each other at most once every four years, so you're not going to get that good rivalry big games against each other it meaning something playoffs on the line or the big games in the playoffs so i really think that looking at the landscape of the nfl Tannehill luck could end up being that rivalry so i don't know what your thoughts are on that but what do you see that actually becoming the rivalry of the nfl and then there was silence so I think I must have lost James, which it sure does look like. I got uh James got dropped. So I guess you guys are going to listen to me. So uh <laughs> what do you guys think in the live thread, um in the chat room if you guys are in there, let me know on Twitter if you're listening and are on Twitter. What do you think? Is it is that going to be the rivalry because it's the one that makes a lot of sense to me. And it sounds like James is back. So James what what do you think? Do you think that the the Tannehill luck could be the quarterback rivalry that will replace it, it, Brady and uh Manning? If 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 they if they prove to be the two top quarterbacks of the era, like you know because because I always I always sort of thought later later brino's career that it was uh Hold on a second. I've got a terrible echo. I just <laughs> thought like Reno's uh, career that it was more him and Elway that everybody looked at, you know, because Montana was kind of fading and then he was gone. Right. Um, Montana maybe early on, just because they played the Super Bowl and there was some, you know, some other games. But uh, I always thought of Elway more than I thought of Montana. Um, would, you know, Luck and Tannehill just – do? do they rise to be the – top two then then yes. But I mean it's hard to say it's hard to say now. I think uh I think that there's a really good shot because when you look at the the rise of the team, there is a very good possibility that we end up playing the Colts every year. Because the way the NFL schedule works and for those of you that know this already it probably is going to bore you for a second. But the way the NFL scheduling works is you play one division in your conference and you play one division in the other conference. So there's, four, or there's eight games. You play your six games against your division rivals, bringing you to 14 games, and then the last two games are the only two games that are different between you and your division rivals. And those are the games within your conference, the two divisions you don't play, the full division for, you play the team that ends in the same slot as you. So if you're second place in the AFC East, you're going to play the second place AFC South and the second place AFC North teams in the season where your entire division plays the AFC West. So that's how it works. So really you can project out from now until forever – the Dolphins will play other than those two games. If you figure the Colts are rising about the same as the Dolphins, if the Patriots drop out and the Colts end up winning their division and the Dolphins win their division, they could play again next year. Or if they both finish second place, the Dolphins and Colts will play again next year. Um, I think it's 2015 is the next time we play the AFC South, so we play the Colts that year. Then by then maybe the Patriots are dropping off. The Dolphins are winning the AFC East every year and the Colts are up there winning the AFC South. Granted something has to happen with Houston but that very much so could happen. So we could end up playing the Colts every single year and I think that that would very much so build that rivalry. Me. I'm sorry I'm coughing in your guys ears um, Looks like we have a caller I guess Dalton all life You are on the line So how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing alright and you?
0: I am doing well What's on your mind?
1: Uh, well I had a couple of quick questions And just a couple of discussions I do kind of agree with you on that But I think it's pretty much Just going to be like all four of them. Top quarterbacks from That draft Including Russell Wilson And Like the comparisons Are going to keep going on between Russell Wilson, RG3 um, Andrew Luck And Tannehill I just Think it's Pretty much going to be a lot like the year Dan Marino and them got drafted I could pretty much see that Happening but Yeah um, to get on to the question, uh, like, I guess mine is like a draft question because I've been sitting there trying to put together my annual draft thing, and I don't really know where the heck to go, but where do you see us going next year? I know a lot of people say, like, tackle or guard or whatever but where do y'all see us going
0: I think uh I think a lot has to be decided still um I would not be surprised if we did look tackle uh I think picking up a tackle would make a lot of sense um part of that is and and It could be tackle regardless of what Jonathan Martin does because Tyson Clabo isn't a young guy. I mean, he'll be fine. He could be fine next year too. Dolphins could resign him and keep him again. But it's not a guaranteed thing, and he's not a young guy.
1: So Mm -hmm.
0: tackle makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm not against. I'm not against taking a cornerback early, even though we just took the two young guys, because if you figure you take Brent Grimes and re-sign him, you put Jamar Taylor and Will Davis in there as your next two, and then you pick up a rookie to be the fourth guy for a year and then challenge Taylor and Davis, you could have a really good cornerback core. Um, There's a lot of options, and at this point – There aren't a lot of holes on this team. Now, if you want to say that the team doesn't have a lot of depth, I I can see that. I can understand where some people will argue that we need depth. But in those early rounds, when you're looking first-round pick, you're not looking depth. You're looking for that stud guy. And we're at the point where we may be purely drafting on who's the biggest stud available. Kind of what we did this year when we went, you know what, we can go get Dion Jordan because he's the biggest stud available. Now, people forget that defensive end was considered a need there and was considered a big need because nobody expected Olivier Vernon to be, a, be ready to start. So pass rush was a need, and the Dolphins went up and addressed it. But it was a, hey, we have a chance to go get a stud. Let's go get him. And that may be what ends up happening again this year.
1: I mean, because to me, another position that looks like a wise move is guard. You know, I know guard isn't a sexy pick in round one. I don't know how the draft looks as far as, like, guard goes, but both Incognito and Jerry are free agents next year. (laughs) And I, I don't see us having the money to just throw out a free agent. Free agency um, we have all this money, but we still have to consider refining Chris Clemens. Um I guess another question I did have is what is your take on the game this week? Um, and do you really see the Patriots as being able to get back on the ball? I
0: think the Patriots will will be better. I don't think they're going to be the Patriots. I don't think we're going to see them run away and hide this year with the division. Um, I, I still think that the Dolphins are looking for the wild card. Now, talk to me again in a couple of weeks, and if the Patriots keep looking like this, then, yeah, I think the Dolphins absolutely 100% are in the race for the AFC East. I think that there's definitely a much better chance than a lot of people expected going into this. We all said it, that the Patriots look vulnerable. And after last night's debacle, I think they look a lot more than just vulnerable. They look bad. But it's still Tom Brady. And at some point, he's just either going to get receivers that start catching the ball, or he's going to throw the ball hard enough to just impale it into somebody's chest and say, there, that's a reception. (laughs) So, uh, he's going to make something happen Um, Is it going to be enough to win the AFC East? At this point, it might not be But we're also assuming a lot about the Dolphins So, I think that the Dolphins could win it I think the Dolphins could be in a very good position to win it But I don't know for sure that they're actually going to win it
1: I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm more scared of the Bills this year than I am the Patriots, and that's been a long time since I've been able to say that. But, you know, their their rookie looks sharp. Their defense looks solid. And, of course, they have C.J. Spiller. I know they, they lost very minimally, but it wasn't like the game against the Jets yesterday where there was just like mistake after mistake after mistake. I think that's a team that's going to pick up. But I I just, I don't know. But last question, and I know you have a lot more callers to deal with, but what's your scoreline for this? Who wins? Miami, Indianapolis?
0: I think the Dolphins win. Um, I'll put it somewhere around the 24-17, 24-20 range. I think the Dolphins win this um, because I think Tannehill played really, really well against the Colts last year. And that's forgotten because Andrew Luck went off for 433 yards. Tannehill looked really, really good in that game. I think he comes Mm -hmm. back out and has a similar game. And that's all that he needs to do because this defense this year is a lot different than that defense last year. And, as uh, Jim Irsay said this year Or this week They need a NASA style heat shield To protect Andrew Luck Because Cam Wake Deion Jordan, Olivier Vernon Koa Misi, Jared Odrick Paul Soliai, Randy Starks They're all going to just pin their ears back and go Okay, let's do this Come on, Wonder Boy. Come on, number one overall pick You got us last year We're not letting you do that again this year And, I mean, Deion Jordan Deion Jordan, granted he wasn't here last year, but he's already pointed out he's never lost to Andrew Luck. He doesn't plan on starting now. Right. Nice. So they uh it it I think that the Dolphins come away with this win. Um I'm not I wouldn't guarantee it, but I think they have the talent to come away with the win this week.
1: People look a lot at that yardage with Indianapolis and forget that he also only threw two touchdowns. I mean, it's not like, you know, he was throwing bomb after bomb after bomb in the end zone. It was literally like a bunch of chunk yards and then a couple of touchdowns. And Tannehill threw one touchdown in like half as many yards. So, I mean, it could easily be that way. And honestly, their secondary doesn't scare me at all. Their pass rush is anemic as well. So, but I do appreciate you having me on the show. And
0: hey, thanks for calling in. Um, uh-huh. Glad we could cover some of your questions.
1: So Thank you have you. a good
0: night. You too. And it looks like we just dumped James as Dolphin fan for life got off the line too. So. James, I'm sure we'll be calling back in in just a second. Uh, anybody else wants to give us a call, give us a call at 347-326-9461. That's 347-326-9461. Of course, like I said at the start of the show, you can hit us up on Twitter, at theFinSider. You can also hit us up in the chat room over on Blog Talk Radio or in the live thread on thefinsider.com So all kinds of ways to get involved in the show, and that is the point of this show. It's your guys' show. What do you guys want to talk about? I have sound in my ear again, so I'm assuming James, you're back on. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Um, what do you, What do you think? What What is your prediction for this week? Um, I think we win this game. I I I think our offense is going to be better. And our defense is going to be better, and I don't know that they're going to be. I, I'm sure Andrew Lutz a little bit better than he was last year, but I, their defense is, was not impressive last year and it's not impressive now. And I think we're going to have a field day against uh, one of our former players. At least that's how I hope it works out. I think, yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think that this defense – has the ability to shut down that offense. And Andrew Luck is going to have his yardage because he does have that kind of talent. But the defense for Indy is not going to match up with the Dolphins. I I just don't see it. They don't have a pass rush yet. And maybe they find one. Maybe, um, Maybe it just got stuffed last week. Don't read too much into the rushing yards they gave up. I think it was something like 170 yards or something, but 121 or something like that was from Terrell Pryor running away from pressure or designed runs or just deciding that the play wasn't there and running. So they're they're skewed a little bit because they were able to shut down the Raiders running game. Now, take into account it's the Raiders we're talking about, so maybe there wasn't much of a run game in the first place. But um, I absolutely do not think that the Colts have the secondary to match up with Mike Wallace, Brian Hartline, and Brandon Gibson. I, just, I don't. I don't think they can control all three of them. And that's what we forget as Dolphins fans. We're sitting here waiting for that big play from Mike Wallace, and obviously Mike Wallace is waiting for that big play from Mike Wallace. But we forget about the fact that we are – stacked. Dustin Keller would have made this ridiculous. But we are stacked in receiving threats. So you could very much so shut down one receiver and still have two more killing you. Especially if you add in the fact that Charles Clay looks like he figured out how to catch a ball again. So I think there's a lot of weaponry here that I don't think the Colts are going to be able to match up with. Yeah, what's up with Charles Clay? All of a sudden, uh, remembering how to catch the ball, and he couldn't do anything all preseason. I'm confused by that. Um, I don't know. It's a great question. Is he one of those guys that? I don't know. You know, you hear those guys that in games that don't matter and practice they're just terrible. But for some reason, when it matters, they turn it on. Be that guy? I mean, I don't, I don't know what else is going on there.
2: He might be. Um.
0: Remember last year, he he would have those games where he would just disappear and he wouldn't be a factor. Yeah, and then that's true. And then the team would specifically go out and attack. Would simply go out and attack, or uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading Twitter at the same time. I'm sorry. They would they would go out and purposely target getting him the ball. And he would have that good game, and I think part of that was his learning to be a tight end over being a fullback. And right. this year he's more advanced in that process. So it very it very much could be that he is that guy that you can rely on to make plays in the middle, get you that first down, be that possession tight uh, tight end. So that may be what it is. And uh, Jesse Agler talked it all week. That it looks like big play Clay is back. Hopefully, that continues more than just one week. But Clay does. He does. He looked a lot better on Sunday than he did most of last year and throughout this past preseason. Right. Just unusual to see a guy. I mean, he didn't look like he could do anything the preseason at all. He was in game one. And then that happened. I got a question on Twitter of how many push-ups can I do more or less than the amount the Dolphins will score on Sunday? Um, I can do more than the Dolphins will probably score as long as my shoulder doesn't go crazy. If my shoulder decides that it's done, uh, I'm done. So it really depends on how Yes. But it really depends on how my shoulder feels that day. Like today it's sore, but I used it a lot today, so um, Alpha Alpha points out best receiving core in the East, who knew? Uh Brian Hartline knew. That is one person who knew. He said it before the season I think, started that I, he felt that this is the best off the best receiving core. I think on paper we knew that. Yeah. Was Keller Keller was Keller was still with us when he said that as well, so I think that was pretty obvious at the time, given what, you know, what was going on with the Patriots. I think everybody only, just automatically but, expects um whoever the Patriots <laughs> throw out there to have success. That Tom Brady is going to have success with whomever he throws the ball to. And just after last night Everybody's kinda of going, Oh wait, maybe they do need time to develop. And I mean, even Welker, yes, Welker went in there and looked great right away, but he wasn't a rookie. He had time in Miami. He he may not have had any great staff in Miami, but he had developmental time in Miami. These guys that Tom Brady is throwing to right now have not had that. They've they're being thrown into the fire and they're hoping something catches. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, I think he would have probably been okay had he still had his two tight ends, but the you know, safety valves are gone, and yes, you know, and now defenses can, can be in on, you know, whoever's left, and whoever's left isn't that good right now. So I think they're I think they're they're going to struggle until they get, you know, Gronkowski and some other people back. Uh, hopefully that's not for a while. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> hopefully it's not till, yeah 2014 when we have a maybe some additional help to tight end.
2: in. <laughs> I'm okay with
0: him missing some time here at the beginning. Um, I'm, I'm good with that. And, shockingly, Amendola is hurt. So, I mean, I know nobody saw that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Who could have saw that coming? Crazy. <sighs> you think they're you think they're kicking themselves for letting Welker go after the your fairly decent work week one Welker had. If they're if they're not, uh, Tom Brady is.
1: If oh Bill well, Tom Belichick Brady was not quick.
0: kicking himself. Tom Brady is kicking Bill Belichick. Going, what were you thinking? But so didn't didn't Tom Brady uh, basically agree to restructure his contract and more or less give money back? Yes. He didn't have. To, I mean, the the contract that Brady had that was a very given. What uh, what else is going on out there? That was a very legitimate contract, and he turned around and gave a big chunk of money back. Yep. With the idea that he's going to keep his, his little buddy Walker, and I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's even more pissed now that he's seen what that's created. I don't. I, I don't think, think he's probably he's all that man, all that upset about. Better. But. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's not all that upset about Hernandez because it sounds like he wasn't super thrilled with Hernandez's behavior before it all went down. But uh, the Walker thing, he can't be happy with. I mean, he's yeah, no. That now. No, he, uh, that, that right there is a huge blow to that team. I mean, he he, he was that passing offense. Everybody focused on Grubkowski and Hernandez, but – It was because all the defenses were trying to find a way to stop Walker. And, um, what, Edelman had 10 catches, 11 catches, something like that, this past game, but only averaged six yards a catch. So, yeah, he may have had the number of catches that Walker would have had. He didn't have the production Walker would have had. So, the, the, the Patriots are definitely hurting. The Patriots are definitely hurting. Let, my my and, question for the Patriots. My question for the Patriots yep. is how do how do you allow that to happen and not consult with your, you know, your quarterback, your, your the best quarterback yeah. that franchise will probably ever. How do you not at least call him in and say, hey man, what do you think?
2: This is what we're doing.
0: Yeah. I, I absolutely and I was texting back and forth with Keith during it, but. I was absolutely rolling watching Brady screaming on the field, on the sidelines, telling people to wake up, um, just absolutely losing his mind because, as Giselle Bündchen said a few years ago, he can't throw the ball and catch it. But at this point, that may be their only option. Um, it, it it looks bad. And the the funny part is they won that game. I mean, they're two and zero right now, but everybody that's, is talking about how bad they look. They won that game because the Jets looked just yep. hapless. I mean, they looked. I mean, good God, <laughs> yeah, so bad. That's, I don't think any exactly of the three teams actually. are. I don't think any of the three teams are or uh, that good, but uh, like Dolphin Fans for Life said, I, I think the Bills might wind up being the most dangerous of the of the three and that's that's kind of kind of odd because he would have thought that. I think uh <laughs> apparently uh the um, Mayweather uh Canelo fight coming up apparently Wikipedia yes. already has Canelo winning it. Um <laughs> So, uh, sorry, just Adam Stites from over at uh, Big Cat Country was tweeting that out, and it just stuck out to me as it went by. And Cameron Wake, in case you're wondering, Cameron Wake has just tweeted out a picture of him getting a pedicure. Uh, (laughs) Routine maintenance. Whispers funny looks are the hashtags he puts on it. (laughs) But it's uh, that would be a, that. That would get some funny looks. That's a big dude to be sitting in that pedicure chair. Uh, hey man, he, yeah. he can do whatever he wants. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But that's a big man to be sitting in that chair. Um, and you're right. The Jets look horrible. Um, I know Dolphin fan for life said that he's worried about the Bills. They're not going to be a threat this year simply because they do have that rookie quarterback. Uh, will he be a good one? He might. He might develop into something. But I don't think that once we get into the heat of the season, or into the heart of the season, I should say, that he's still going to be somebody to worry about. I just, It's, uh, it's going to come down to the Dolphins stepping up and how far back do the Patriots regress. And at this point, it looks like that's going to be pretty far. Sorry. Oh, man. I hate allergies. I blame you. Oh, was, I think I got I was it. doing that earlier. Oh, man. I don't know what is in the air here, but... I know just before the show, you said it was raining. It needs to rain down here.
2: Oh, yeah, it's, it's raining there, but it's, it's not out I still can't breathe. Oh. But...
0: Um, By week 7 Do they pull it all together Uh, Daytona's often asking that In the live thread I think it really depends On um, Which is actually Week 8 because I'm assuming he's asking about the Patriots Because week 6 is the bye week, week 7 is the Bills Week 8 is the Patriots So I They they Uh, could pull it together by then I think it all depends on Gronk I would not bet against it because we've seen the Patriots look like this in the beginning of the season before, and they haven't always made it, you know, big at the end of the year. They haven't always, you know, been the top team at the end of the year, but somehow Bill always gets them to pull it together, and they're yeah. always pretty decent by the end of the year. So I mean, by mid-season they'll be playing a lot more now. I almost bet on it. That do doesn't mean we out. don't we don't oh. win that game. It just these are not going to look How like is it that horrible? The Dolphins, the Dolphins don't play anybody in the AFC East until week 6. How is that? Everybody else is really, playing each other. That's really that's really terrible, yeah. The Dolphins have to wait until week 6. So the Patriots get two early wins within the division against the Bills and the Patriots or the Jets. The Dolphins are still sitting here going uh we're going on the road to see Indy. Um <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, did did the schedule makers think that the Colts were still in the AFC East? I mean, I don't understand what's going on there. We just randomly had a I, flashback I, all the way back to the Colts and the AFC East. I will say this: if we're going to go to Cincinnati and Indianapolis, let's let's do it now. Yeah, and not in like November, December. So, I mean, in a way, I'm okay with it. I mean. Yeah, I mean, the timing of the games makes sense. But, I mean, I'd very much so take a Jets game in the, in New Jersey or a Patriots game or a Bills game right now, visit them early in the season too. Because you get that yeah. Buffalo game in December, and it's a little rough for the Dolphins. Except for Reggie Bush, who likes to go sliding through the end zone on his butt. I'm okay yeah, with that, though. i i've I've always wondered why the schedule makers didn't make it, so you know you've got sixteen games, so in the first eight games you play every opponent once in the first. Yep. you make it back that however if it's the first three games or the whatever how you break it up you know, and then you play the 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 same three teams again in the last eight games, but you always break it up that yep. way you you should i mean that's what makes sense but I don't know for some reason they like to uh they like to do these weird scheduling things that end up with us not playing anybody till week seven or, or 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 how cool would it be that when you start the season, you come out of the gate and you play your three division foes out of the gate, you go in the middle of the season and you play everybody else, and then you end the season with those same three division yeah. foes because then those games you know we're gonna mean a lot more. At that point, and and the Dolphins are. I mean, the Dolphins do have the weird. We're going to play all three division teams the last three weeks, and I know that the league has said that that's kind of what they're trying to do. Put a lot of division games at the end of the year, so that way they they're uh, there's more meaning to those games, and you do end up with some good contests. But yeah, it's. It's really odd the way that our schedule was broken out this year. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. It just something is. You don't play anybody until week seven in the division. Um, the look at the the Patriots. I just pulled up their schedule. They play their last three weeks are at Dolphins, at uh, Ravens, home against the Bills. So they don't have the Jets. They're done with the Jets in Week Seven. They beat weird. them yeah. in Foxborough, and they play them again Week Seven in New in New Jersey, and they're done. They're done with the Jets already. So that's even in the They'll first half. They'll beat them there too, probably. Season. That's the first half of the season. Uh-huh. They're already done with one of their division rivals. Meanwhile, that's the first week we're playing a division rival. So I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know how they do this. Um, there's a cool video on Dolphins.com right now. It's the main story when you go there. It's a camera from inside a helmet. I don't know who's wearing the helmet or if it's just a face mask on top of a camera that somebody's carrying around, but it's following the team out to the field. And I I don't have the sound turned on because we're doing this, so I don't know if you can hear everything with it, but it's kind of cool. gives you a weird, random perspective looking through a face mask. As the team is getting ready to go out, there I have it paused right now where they're about to do like the everybody get in a circle and team on three or Dolphins on three or win on three or whatever Ray Lewis wants to yell for the Ravens last year on three. Um, but so okay, uh, somebody brought it up in the live thread, which I've scanned through the live thread a couple times, so I don't know where it is. Uh, somebody brought up that they think that the worst game they're doing, uh, Daytona Dolphin, says not overlooking the Colts, but he thinks that the Falcons are the biggest threat in the first five games. What do you think? Who do you think in the first five games, which are obviously at Browns, at Colts, uh, against the Falcons, at the Saints, and home against the Ravens, what do you think in those first five games is the biggest threat? I think the Falcons are the best team in that of that bunch, but it's—I mean—it just depends on Saints. We haven't had a lot of luck against them in recent years either, so um, I don't know that either one of those games is is, is a cakewalk. Um, maybe the Falcons is is the tougher game because they're 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 more solid on both sides of the ball, and that may be the big difference. I think the Saints are pretty pretty weak on defense, so of uh, that, course they beat they beat the Falcons, so. Who knows? <laughs> that same game scares me because the Monday night game in New Orleans. And that team oh. that team doesn't lose in the Superdome other than last year obviously, but that team doesn't lose in the Superdome. And uh it's Monday night. That team and those fans are gonna wanna remind everybody of what they were two years ago versus what they were last year. That game is gonna be a rough one. Um I still I still have nightmares from the last time we played Saints, <laughs> but no, it's 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 probably going to be an ugly game, and not ugly in the terms of what we saw last night, because that was ugly in the ter- in the sense that those teams were both bad. This could be uh, ugly in the terms of both these teams could be pretty good, and that crowd could just absolutely be going nuts, making it tough for the Dolphins. Um, I don't know. The the Falcons will be a tough game. I I, I know everybody is jumping up and down on the Ravens suck bandwagon after what we all saw from them against the Broncos. But part of that is also a Super Bowl hangover. Part of that is also a lot of new people on the team. And obviously – Peyton Manning has never done seven touchdowns before. So you have to assume that Peyton Manning had something to do with what that looked like from the Ravens. I don't think that they are going to be that bad. I don't think that they're going to be a Super Bowl champion team again. But I could have said that at the point where we stole i uh, I think that the Ravens are going to be a tough matchup. I think the Dolphins can take that game, especially since it's in Miami, and it will be a 1 o'clock game. So I think that, that will the Dolphins will be able to take that game. But those two middle games, Saints and uh, uh, Falcons, that's going to be a tough couple games. Oh, yeah. Uh, oxygen is good. That's why it's even more important that we win – that we win, well, that we won last week and we win this week. But, yeah. So, Duke, I know you're on the line and probably have been listening for a little bit. Uh, you agree? What do you think is the toughest of the five first five games for the Dolphins this year?
2: The Saints. You're going with the Saints? Yeah, it's the it's a, it's a, it's a way. So we're playing them in the Superdome, that's always a tough place to play. Um, they've got a tough offense. Their defense appears to be improved. And of all the other of the other games that we play, in my opinion, that's just the least winnable. It's gonna be the one of the toughest one for us to win. I think so. I mean
0: playing in the Superdome is never easy. Uh the rest of the home games, I mean or the rest of the away games. At Patriots, obviously we do that every year. At Buckmears, I'm take what you will from that. Josh Freeman isn't looking like anything special. And it's in my or it's in Tampa, but it's still Florida, so there's still gonna be a contingent of Dolphins fans there. At the Jets, we do that every year. At the Steelers, which by then it's late de- or late in the season, early December, they'll be probably better than what they've shown already. But they may not be. They may be as bad as they've looked early. So that one's probably a toss-up. And then at the Bills late in the year. So, honestly, this Saints game in week four may be the toughest road game we have other than the Patriots because they're the Patriots and assuming that the, by week eight Tom Brady's figured out how to throw the ball to a receiver that can catch. Uh, but, yeah, this that week four game at Saints could be the toughest game on the road the Dolphins
2: have this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not – I mean, a lot of people – I mean, it depends a lot on what happens this week. I mean, if Miami goes out and wins this week, we're going to be 2-0. Oh. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, saying that we build some momentum. Um, but of all the games in that first five, that's, the one that's probably the, the one that that I think that I don't want to say that the Dolphins will certainly lose, but it's if, if they lose that one, i one's going to be surprised. I mean, and I don't think anyone will be surprised if they lose any of the other ones, but... I don't know, in my opinion, I think the other ones are, are, are very winnable games. I don't think – I mean, the Falcons, a lot of people are going to be on that, you know, well, that Matt Ryan, a great offense thing, but I think their defense is kind of weak. And they were a – you know, they were – I can't make the right word here, but they were, they were
1: a, uh, a team last
2: year that you could – you know, they were in some close games that you wouldn't think a team of that caliber should be in. And you've got them, uh, Miami's got them at home. Oh. It's the opening home game. If we go into that game 2-0, after beating Andrew Luck, I think there's going to be a better crowd in Sunlight stadium. You're going to have um, the heat and everything to worry about. They're going to be in their darker uniforms. Uh I, don't know. I I just don't think that game is going to be the matchup problem that a lot of people are thinking it's going to be.
0: It probably isn't.
2: Um. I'm just, not, I'm just not, not as high on the style as a lot of people, I don't guess. I mean, last year I thought, you know, I remember posting on a live thread, I thought they and the Ravens were kind of fraudulent teams going into – the playoffs. Of course the Ravens got hot there and you know won it all but you know, I didn't think those teams were just you know, a lot of people were making a big deal out of how good those teams were and really I mean the, the the Ravens were a few plays away from being eight and eight, had some close you know games that bounced away. Same thing with the Falcons. And you know, Roddy White's been hurt he's not playing at the par, you know, that limits what they can do. I think our defense is a, is, is more improved than what people were expecting. So, I don't know. I, I I see that game as being one that the Dolphins can win. You know, a lot of people saw that on the calendar to start with and thought, well, that's a loss. You know, they're that much better than we are, and I don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Sorry, I'm reading Twitter again. I did that earlier to James, sort of just stopped talking as I read things that are catching my eye on Twitter. Um, and the sad part is, it's absolutely nothing. It's about uh, Ken Griffey Jr. slugfest on the Nintendo 64. I don't know why it caught my eye, but it did.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> random things that catch my eye. Uh, um and 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 honestly, I mean, I know this is a Homer fan coming out in me, but you know, I, I can really see the Dolphins going five and zero in their first five games. I mean, it, anything can happen on any given Sunday, but at the same time, I see, I see the flaws in the Dolphins, but I also see the flaws in these other teams, and I think if, if the Dolphins can play to the level that. I believe they're capable of playing to, They can walk out there, going to their bye week, five and zero. And while there will be plenty of people that will be surprised by that, I don't think I would be one of them. Now, if we walk, if, you know, if we if we go into the bye week and we've beaten those teams thirty-five to seven or something, maybe, but I think you know we match up well with with a lot of these teams, um, except for possibly the that's possibly the Saints, And I think that that's gonna be a tough place because of the venue and everything, but um you know, I I see the rest of the games I see these teams as being vulnerable to to uh to, to losing and I think the Dolphins can can make some hay if 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 the offense gets it together and the defense keeps playing at the level they played last Sunday.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it all comes down to. I mean, throughout this year, it doesn't matter. I I think that the offense is going to be what the offense is going to be. I think that the Dolphins could absolutely go out there this weekend and win without a running game again. They're not going to be able to do that every week. But against the Colts, I think that the passing game is going to be the key, and they're going to try to light it up through the air. I think that the way this team wins is that defense just smothering offenses. And they absolutely are set up to do it the the pass rush is amazing. Um Starks, Soleii, Audric up the middle will be able to shut people down. Uh and, and I think that in the next couple weeks we're gonna probably see Starks reemerging as the top between Audric and Starks. Um I think that the team absolutely did not expect Solei to play like he did. I think that they expected that, okay, we're going to have to take Solii Solii, Solii out, that's hard to say, um, on passing downs. And then all of a sudden he was back there freaking shoving defenders into quarterbacks and just taking double teams and basically picking them up like they were ragdolls. And I think the team suddenly went, oh, well, let's leave Paul in there. And uh, so I think Starks will start to get some more – Air time or play time, and you'll see us shut down the run, especially up the middle, a little bit better. And those cornerbacks, I know people are questioning the cornerbacks other than Grimes because it seems like it's a bunch of no-name people, but Dimitri Patterson has looked good. Will Davis has looked good. Sure, he can be beat. He can bite on double takes. But as he, as he develops, he's going to be good. Nolan Carroll is a good cornerback. He's not a great cornerback. He's not a number one cornerback. But he is a good, solid, depth corner who can go out there and do what we saw him do this week. And when uh, when Demetri Patterson went down with the injury, Carroll came in there. And, of course, we all noticed it right away, and they talked about it on the air that – Carroll's in there now, and, oh, they're targeting at Carroll. But really, it didn't become a throw fest at Carroll because he does cover well. We just all see the bonehead plays he makes, and he made plenty of them last year, which turned a lot of us off, and I'm up there with you. I don't ever want to see him out there starting. But if you're asking him to be the number three cornerback, I'm okay with that because that's about the role he's in. Now, I, I, I'm i a little surprised, I guess is the word, that they're using him as a boundary in the nickel, but they really like Patterson moving inside onto the slot in the nickel. So I guess I, I'll trust the coaches that they see something that we didn't see last year. So I really think that this team is built for that defense to just smother people. And – sure, this offense should probably get about 24 points a game, somewhere around there, that's probably about what you need to win in this league. But this defense should be enough that if they go out there and have a 10, 14, 21-point game, then this defense can do enough to stop that opposing offense and let that 10, 14, 21-point game be a victory.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean main thing of coughing with with the secondary is that, you know, they played Cleveland last week and they don't have any receivers. So I y y I wanna you know, my, my expectations for them were tempered a little bit because we're going into the stretch where we do have to defend yeah. teams with multiple multiple weapons in the in the receiver uh receiving game. Um, you know, we, we gave up a lot of yards and catches to the tight end this week and that was fine because you know, that was basically his only option. Uh, the Browns' only option to throw, whereas, you know, this week, that's not going to be the case. And a lot of it will depend on how well Patterson or whoever else is covering the slot, you know, covers Reggie Wayne and and things like that. But I do believe the front seven is going to be strong enough that they're going to pressure a lot of quarterbacks. And they're going to... Force some bad decisions, and they're going to make some. Uh, they're going to make it a little easier on second secondary. But you know, I, I think that the offense will come along. And you know, I think the problem last week was just, it's one. You know, Cleveland has an underrated defense. I don't think they are. They do. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people are giving them credit for just how how stout they are up front. Um, they gave our offense line everything they could handle. I don't think you're going to see that. From, you know, to me, looking at these teams, I think the next team that we have to worry about with a strong defensive front like that will be Baltimore. Uh, Everyone else that we play, I think their defenses are average at best. So I don't think we're going to see the same problems this week against Indianapolis that we saw. Uh, against Cleveland in terms of the running game. I think this offensive line can be moved. Um, I think this uh, this team can be exploited in certain areas of the defense uh, that Cleveland was not able to. So, I think our offense will, will click a little better this week. Um, that, plus I, I believe the offensive line will kind of play with a little bit of a, like a grudge considering how badly they looked uh, and they know they've got to come out and perform better. So, I think once that running game gets going, then our offense is going to open up a lot because um, you know it's going to open up the play action, things like that. So if we're running the ball well this week, I would expect to see at least two or three play action fakes uh, and and deep passes to 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 Wallace. Off those play action fakes, we just couldn't run the play action last week because we couldn't run the ball. So you know if if Tannehill okay, try to fake the ball to a run. Cleveland was like, yeah, we know you're going to pass because you can't run the ball. I don't think it's going to be a problem in the, in the upcoming games. So, no, probably not. But the,
0: thing, the thing I liked about the fact that the Dolphins went to purely passing the ball is that it was Philbin that went to Sherman and said, look, you're passing the ball from now on. And they, they weren't afraid to just go, you know what, get rid of the run. Don't even try. Put the ball in Tannehill's hands and let him go. And Tannehill responded, and that's not something we would have seen last year. That's not something we ever would have wanted to see with Chad Henney, John Beck, and the rest of the line that we all don't want to remember. Um, And it was something that they were willing to do and say, go get it. And he did. He went and got it. So I like like that fact. Um, Somebody, uh, Beaver, Beaver asked in the live thread, What's Dimitri Patterson's status? Uh, looking at the official injury report from today, and I haven't posted it yet, but the official injury report from today, Will Davis, Pat Devlin, and Jamar Taylor are all out for Sunday's game. Uh, Patterson is questionable with his it. He was limited in practice today. Ellerby, uh, Jonathan Freeney, Brandon Gibson, Rashad Jones, Deion Jordan, Josh Cadu, and Deion Sims are all listed as probable. Uh, Jones and Kudu show up on the injury report for the first time or
1: uh,
0: fall into probable after being limited in practice uh, previously. Um, I'm sorry, I take it back. Kudu is new on to the injuries. Rashad Jones was limited previously, was a full practice today, but Kudu is new to the uh, injury report, but he has an illness, it says. So I don't know what type of illness, but he has an illness of some sort. So that, that's the injury report: Ellerbe, Freeney, Gibson, Jones, Jordan, Cadu, and Sims, all probable. Patterson is questionable, and then Will Davis, Pat Devlin, and Jamar
2: Taylor will not play. So that's I think, I think, I think okay. think Patterson's going to go. I don't, you know. I, I don't think, think so. He's going to be held out. Um, You know, I think if he can play, he will. I think he wants to play. Exactly. Um, and I read some stuff on Twitter about him. Um, earlier in training camp, that uh, one guy, I think he's a former scout, said something like He said, you know, the problem with Patterson wasn't talent. It was staying healthy. Um, everywhere he he ever was, he could play ball. He just couldn't stay healthy. And so I think he wants to, and, and we need him to stay healthy. And that's something, you know, I was thinking as you as were bringing that up, is that our secondary should be improving as the season goes along, as we bring along those rookies. Because the great, you know, Davis did practice this week. So even though he, he did. Was out, he was
0: limited, he was limited throughout the week, but he was out there practicing.
2: So you've got him in practice. As soon as you bring Taylor in, and you know, he's kind of the forgotten guy right now, um, just because he, he didn't get much time in training camp, uh, didn't get much time in preseason. But the guy's a talented corner. I mean, he's he's a a uh, first round caliber. Player, I mean, there were there was talk of him going in the first round, and, and you know a lot of people consider it a steal that we got him at, when we got him. So, you know, as soon as, soon as he's healthy and able to, to play and contribute fully, he's going to come along, uh, and that secondary is going to improve. So now, you know, guys that have got contributing more heavily like Carroll and Wilson and guys like that are going to they're you know they're going to start losing some playing time with these rookies. So hopefully by week seventeen, uh, you know, Miami's still yeah. still in the cloud front At that that point, our secondary has improved because we have these young guys come along to go along with our veterans. So um, that's kind of an issue right now, but I think for the most part we're, we're we're okay.
0: And I think that that's a that's a factor that a lot of people worry about because a lot of people look at he was drafted early in the draft, he should be starting or playing. And we hear that with Deion Jordan. We hear that now with Jamar Taylor. We hear that with these guys. And it goes back to what we talked about, I think, before you were on the show, Duke, that this team is not at that point. This team does not need the first-round draft pick to be a starter. They can go, you know what, he has the talent. We could put him out there as the starter, but we don't have to. Let's develop him first. And across the board, that's where this team is right now. So would it be great for Jamar Taylor to be out there playing? Sure, of course it would. But does that mean it has to, or he has to be out there? No, this team doesn't need him out there right now. They need him to get healthy, and they need him to develop. Same thing for Will Davis. Same thing for Don Jones, who is out there looking good on special teams. I mean, All nine rookies we drafted are still on this roster, and they're developing. And that's what we need them to do this year. And I know that everybody looks at your your first-round draft pick has to be a starter. Your second round should be a starter and get 600 or 800 or 1,000 snaps or whatever it is for the season. But when you really look at the way this team is built, it's not built for rookies to have to start right away. It's built for the best guys to start. And we have talent at these positions that can let the rookies develop. And I think that's something um, there's definitely something unique from the team over the past few years. We haven't seen that. We've had to throw rookies in there and say go. And then as soon as they struggle, they lose confidence. We call them bust and coaching staffs are immediately looking for the next player. So it's It's a good thing. It really is. And I'm not really worried about where Jamar Taylor is right now. Everybody wants to say, well, he had injury problems before the draft, and, excuse me, sorry, Jeff Ireland should have seen that coming. But nobody could have seen him getting a sports hernia. Nobody could have seen him messing up his groin. And absolutely 100%, I believe, the groin problem is because of the sports hernia. He went out there and tried to go. And I'm sure he pushed it harder than he should have. And that's not a coaching issue. That's not a general manager issue. That's any rookie out there trying to prove himself going one speed too fast and pulling that groin muscle. And they don't need him right now. They don't have to rush him back. Let him sit. Let him put on street clothes on Sunday. And when it's 100%, start working him into the rotation. But you're right. By week 17, hopefully we are seeing these
2: guys out there more. But in so week two, that, I'm
0: not worried about it.
2: And that's something else a lot of people are, you know, it's one thing for a guy like Jordan playing at the defensive end or if you had an offensive lineman or receivers or other positions. But corners are rookie corners, I don't care how talented they are or how good they are, they struggle the first year. Um, they're just, you know – the, the difference in the college game and the pro game is 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 so vast that that they that most corners struggle. I mean, last night, you know, D. Milliner, who was the uh, who most people consider the top corner in the draft, was benched because he just wasn't playing well enough.
1: And you know,
2: I think if we were having to rely on Taylor and Davis to to make plays in the secondary, their defense wouldn't be as good simply because those guys would get picked on. They're still going to get picked on when they get in there, but we're not having to rely on them to, you know, all right, you know, we're trying to make the playoffs this year. You guys have to play at a high level, kind of stuff. I mean, you look at look at Atlanta right now. They're starting two at corners. Um, you know, the guy that I was a fan of, True Font, he's out. He's out there. Uh, Robert Alford's on the other side, and so. They're, You know, they're basically banking on the fact that, hey, our offense is so good, we're going to put up a bunch of points. It doesn't matter how many points our defense gives up because they know that as good as those corners could be, they're not good enough right now. So that's kind of what I like, kind of going with what you were saying, is the fact that we can work these rookies in, in spots and let them get experience, let them get, uh, you know, let, let them kind of work on getting better without having to rely on them uh, to play a major role at this point. Um, and, and, you know, that's always a positive thing. Even though the draft status, you want to kind of, you know, hey, these guys should be getting more playing time. But, you know, if, you know, I understand a lot of people kind of think, well, Jordan was the third overall pick. He should be getting more than 17 snaps on defense. But, I mean, I, I think you're going to see – um, I think you're going to see him get more snaps this week. I think you're just going to see that being a, a progressive thing. And you know, see he was hurt, kind of that shoulder injury, um, he played fairly well this week. But of course, he was going up against Joe Thomas. And he, you know, Joe Thomas is going to shut down uh, the best pass rushers in the league, let alone rookies. So that was uh, that was kind of to be expected. Now I think Jordan's going to be going up against uh, in- inferior tackles, and he's going to be able to. To eat a little bit more, so I think we want to see a little bit more of what he can do. And uh, you know, I just kind of like the idea that we can, you know, we can put these, these guys in, in in the spots. We don't have to necessarily force them into a role they're not ready for. So, yeah, it's always good.
0: I think uh, I think that that's that's a great point. I think Dion Jordan. I think you do. You're going to see him get more snaps this week. And I think part of that is the team wanting to bring him along slowly, make sure that that shoulder can withstand a full NFL game. And he's out there on special teams. I know a lot of people have issues with that. Oh, he's your number one pick. You don't put your first-round draft pick, the third overall pick out there on special teams. We're not the only team doing that, guys. I promise you. There are other teams that have their number one picks out there on special teams. We just see it because Deion Jordan is Deion Jordan. But he's out there looking like a beast on special teams. He is flying down the field. He's using his size. He's doing well. He was asked about it this week on the Finnsiders, and he said, I love it. Anytime I can get on the field and help the team, I'm I'm happy. And he is enjoying it. Um, I think that you're right. I think that we're going to see him progress, but I think they want to take it slowly simply to make sure that that shoulder is ready to go. Uh and with uh, Joe with, Philbin with says Vernon, that he's looked good in practice this week and we'll see how he does in the game. So I think that, that that's
2: the head that yeah, we're gonna see more of him. And I think with 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 uh Vernon playing a little better and you know, with Shelby stepping up a little better, I think what you're gonna see Jordan some this week. You know, I think, excuse me, I think you're gonna see him dropping the coverage as well because yeah. um you know, I think Covering tight ends is still kind of a weakness for for the Dolphins, and I think he, he's going to help with that. So I think if you start seeing uh, Andrew Luck and and, uh, and and that offense leaning on their tight ends more, um, then then I think you're going to see Jordan come in in that that speed package or whatever it's called, and you're going to see him drop yep. into coverage and, and you know covering, cover cover guys zone or cover. You know, guy, man, I think you're going to see more of that this week than than, than him necessarily rushing the passer. Um, because if we do have guys over there. with no of course. But, you know, Shelby got a sack this week. Uh, Vernon got some pressure. I think you know he he's going to play better when he's not going up against Joe Thomas. Uh, yeah. So, I think I think we're going to see see Jordan getting a little more action than just rushing the passer, and. uh I think, that'll be, I think that's, in my opinion, the key to, to beat this team is is to limit their tight ends, and George can help with that.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, just for the record on the injury report, Dwayne Allen is listed as questionable but did not practice today. So, I think it's looking less and less likely that he'll be ready to go. They still obviously have Fleener, so it's not like they're hurting a tight end, but having both Allen and Cleaner at Lux disposal is a – it would be a challenge for the Dolphins. And if Allen can't go, that does help the Dolphins. And then you're right, put Deion Jordan back there and let him cover a tight end. So I think
2: uh, – Yeah, I, I, I think mean, that's I think – you know. well, This what, I, what I'm reading about the Colts. And from what we saw last year, I believe that you know, luck is going to lean heavily on Reggie Wayne. So I think if, you can, uh, if I'm if I'm the Dolphins going into this, this game plan, you know they lost their one of their running backs, so uh, that's going to hurt their offense. And the fact that I don't think the guys they got behind them are are as good, and, you know I think Bradshaw still kind of hurt, so they're not playing him as much. Um, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I think what they need to do is basically say, All right, you know, Reggie Wayne's going to get his. Let's limit what he can do, and force other guys to beat us. If I mean, if you know, if if you uh if Darius Bay and Ty Hilton are beating you, then you know you just don't you, you deserve to get beat because yep. those guys just aren't, you know. Those guys, I like T.Y. Hilton. I wanted the Dolphins to draft him. I thought he was going to, you know, I think he's going to be a, a good player, but I don't think he is any, you know, a top-caliber receiver to the point that, you know, it's one of those things if you get beat by Julio Jones or A.J. Green or something, you're like, oh, yeah, you got beat by a good guy. You know, you know if T.Y. Hill beats you, are kind of like, wow, well, we we'll let that guy beat us. So, um, I think they need to T.Y. Hilton. try to limit. I'm sorry?
0: T.Y. Hilton is a perfect guy for Nolan Carroll. I absolutely believe that. That is a guy Nolan Carroll could cover because Nolan Carroll has speed that people don't realize he has. He is a four-four guy. He can go out there and burn. And I, I think that everybody's worried about T.Y. Hilton's speed. I think Carroll could absolutely keep up with him. And I think that are you going to want to – Shade, Clemens, probably that way a little bit, most likely, just to give him a little bit of help because Carroll will get beat. But that is a perfect role for Carroll, I think, this week.
2: Well, and another another thing about that is you're talking about these speed receivers. That's something I don't think a lot of people realize with Mike Wallace is that, you know, a lot of these guys like Travis Benjamin we faced last week, T.Y. Hilton, these aren't exactly big guys. Right. Um, And... Carol, you know, he may not have the same topic speed that they do. But James, he,
0: is that you making rattling noises?
1: No.
2: Okay.
0: I don't know what that was then. That was weird. Okay, sorry, Dude. Go on.
2: Uh, I was gonna say I think that Carol has the speed to match up with those guys, but he also is more physical than they are. Um, he's six foot, six one, somewhere in that range. He's a bigger corner. You know, I, I think you, you let him use his you let him use his size there as an advantage to to kind of bully those guys around, um, and, and you know work on those those speed guys. Now I know Darius Hagel Bay is kind of a he's a, he's another guy that I think Carroll could cover, but I think Grimes is I think you're going to see Grimes covering uh, him more. I think they're going to use uh, Wayne in the slot, and that's going to be Patterson. So um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, if we can limit, you know, if we can try to take away Wayne as much as possible and force those other guys to beat us, uh, I think that's going to really really affect their game plan because it's going to make Luck force throws and... From what I saw last week, this, this defense is becoming more opportunistic uh, on those plays. That, yeah, Luck's going to make some throws. That's going to beat our guys because he's a, he's, a, he's a good quarterback, and he can make those throws. But at the same time, if, if you know, our guys are out there and, and Luck snaps the ball and he looks, no, Wayne's covered. Oh, tight ends are covered. I've got to throw the ball to Darius Hayward-Fay now, who's covered by Brent Grimes. I've got to put this throw in here where where he can catch it, but Grimes can't get to it, and I think we're going to see our guys get their hands on a lot more footballs and possibly take a few away. Um, I don't expect to see a three-interception game this week just because I think um, Luck is a much better quarterback, and he's going to protect the ball better. But at the same time, I think we're going to see, hopefully we're going to see more stalled drives because our defense is taking away the limited options that they have. And so we may not be taking the ball away as much, but we are forcing them to pump more. And what our offense needs to do is if we can hold them, we need to put points on the board more than field goals. That way, our defense can start to, our defensive line can start to key off on the pass rush.
1: And, you know,
2: we went up against a much better offensive line this past week and got six sacks. If we can get out there with a the lead, a two touchdown lead, I'm 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 locking my chances of Wake against Chairless and those other guys uh, getting theirs on the defensive line. So my hope is that Miami can get out to a fast start, get a lead, get a big enough lead that it makes the Colts become uh, very one dimensional, so that that plays into our strength.
0: Yeah, I think that absolutely. If we can get the the Colts going to pure um, pure passing and have to, yeah. Oh, it's not, any team this year. Absolutely any team this year. I think game is over at that point because Wake is on a mission. I absolutely believe Wake is on a mission this year. I think he wants to hit that fourteen sacks. I think he wants to. Prove that he's not the 89th best player in the league uh, when he's gotten all pro and uh, Pro Bowl starts and things like that coming but the players rank him 89th in the league. I think he's out to prove them, prove something to them. Uh, I was listening to the Finsiders, which is always fun to say on the show since it's similar names, but to the Dolphins radio show. I was listening to them and uh I'm sorry, no, it wasn't during their show, it was during the conference call this week. The uh season ticket holder conference call this week. It was Cam Wake on there. And uh somebody asked him, Hey, what do you how do you take Jordan and Vernon? How do you take these guys under your wing and what do you teach them? What kind of role do you play in their development? And he uh he said, Well, first off I was very lucky because I had two great pass rushers to learn from. When I first got here, I had Jason Taylor and Joey Porter. And they showed me a lot of stuff, and they taught me a lot of stuff. But the one thing they told me, and it's the one thing that I tell these guys is, every player that is out here was the best player on their college team. So while when you were in college, you may be going up against one, two, maybe three great players. Every player that is in the NFL was that great player. So what can you do to be better? Because you were the great player on your team, but everybody else out here was the great player too. So no matter what is going on in your life, you have to sit down and think, what can I do to be better than that guy? Because that guy is sure thinking the same thing about you. So is that hit the weight room an extra time? Is that – a little bit more film study, is that work on your technique a little more. Whatever it is, whatever you think you need to work on, you need to constantly be thinking, how do I become better than Joe Thomas or whatever offensive lineman I'm going up against? Because he's absolutely 100% thinking it about you. And I, just, I found that really an interesting way to p- put it, because we all know these are the best of the best. These are the best athletes in the world. But when you're a rookie and you're coming in, you don't think about the fact that that player across from you was the best player on his college team. That's why he's in the NFL. And it just it, it was an interesting way to put it that it kind of made you go, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense, especially for a rookie coming in and looking across the aisle at a guy that, to him, is just a no-name buddy but, or a no-name person, maybe. I mean, granted, Joe Thomas is Joe Thomas, but – Name anybody else on their line. So you're not really thinking that, but they're not great players in the NFL, maybe, but they are great players from college, and they are the best players on their team from college. And now you, coming straight out of college, have to find the way to beat them. And it was it just it. I liked the answer. I really enjoyed that answer. As I cover up my microphone, that was kind of stupid of me.
2: I hope you heard everything I said. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, you, and you, that's that's something that I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of the rookies coming in don't don't realize is or they may they may not yet understand is that you know the level it's different in basketball and other sports where you can have professional caliber players at positions. And you and those same skills and things translate immediately into the professional level. Right. I mean, you look at some of these top basketball players, you know, that they come out of college, and their skill sets and everything translate almost immediately to the professional game. And that doesn't happen in the NFL, simply because the talent level there so much different. So a guy yep. like a guy like Jordan or Taylor, who were dominant at the college level, aren't immediately as dominant because the level of guys they're facing just are that much better. And yep. I don't know any other way to explain it, just the fact that the difference in talent level between college and professional football is just that extreme. I mean,
0: look at, okay, let's look at... Um, Jordan and say Two years ago now The best tackle he had to Go up against was probably Jonathan Martin maybe somebody else That I'm not thinking about off the top of my head but we'll use Jonathan Martin that is The best guy he had to go Up against that's a guy who was Projected first round for A while fell to second round But that's a big guy Coming out of college Yet in the pros He is a medium, middle of the pack type guy. So in college, Jordan goes up against uh Jonathan Martin and that's a tough day. Yet when he gets to the pros, he's going up against guys at least at that level every single week. And it was just, yeah, it was just an interesting way to point it out that hey, while you're great, where you are May not be good enough yet, and you always have to. And Cam said it himself. He said, "I think that every week, every week I'm thinking, how can I be better to beat this guy? Because that guy's thinking the same thing about me." So I just, it, it was an interesting conversation
2: that uh, that they had. And see, that's one thing. That's one thing that I think that a lot of a, a big difference with the. The talent level. There's a lot of guys that come into the NFL who won at the college level because they were athletically superior to those that they were playing. And a guy that I will immediately bring to mind is, is Brian Quick. Um, you know, I watched him his entire career, and compared to everyone else he was playing against, he was just athletically superior. I mean, he was going up against guys. Uh, at, at that level of college that were never gonna play a, in a professional league. Uh even even Canadian or anything else. He was going up against guys that as soon as they graduated they were going to go out into the real world and get, you know, jobs like we have not playing football. And because he was so much athletically superior to them, they had to give him, you know they had to give him five or ten yards of Christian because if not He was just going to blow right by them and score touchdowns. So, he comes off of playing guys like that, now playing guys who are just as equally athletic as he is. And so, you know, when I was looking at him in the draft, I thought, you know, the problem is with him is he's going to struggle his first year or two because he's not used to having to play guys that get up on the line of scrimmage and play physical with him. He's never had to deal with that. Why? Because he's he's playing bad players. Now he's not. So... You know, these guys that come out of college, a lot of them get by with superior athleticism, and then they get to the pros, and that doesn't carry over because the guys across from them are just as athletic. So now it becomes more about technique and skill. And that's why you see a guy who, you know, take Brent Grimes, for example, who is very athletic, but can't just get by with athleticism. He has to, you know, he has to use skill and and technique to win, and same thing with weight, very athletic, but he's got to use skills and stuff, so that's why you know when when you look at these players, it's more about this more about less about their production in college in my opinion, more about what kind of skill set they bring and that's kind of what I like about some of the guys that we've drafted is that we're bringing guys that are technically sound at what they do they're they're very good technicians. Yeah, I think that
0: you're 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 right on that. That it is a lot of because I, I really agreed with what what you what you said about the guys that the right tackle or the left tackle maybe NFL bound, but yeah, the rest of that offensive line probably is getting jobs, and they're look they're out hunting for jobs now and. Those were the guys you were up against. Now you're at the guys that these are the 1% or whatever it is of NCAA football players that make it to the NFL. And the backup, backup left tackle is more talented than the guy you faced on Saturday last last season. So um, interesting uh, tweet. I guess uh, a guy uh, – a guy from Indianapolis tweeted this, and then uh, the uh, Brad Wells, the guy from over at uh, Stampede Blue, retweeted it. It's a picture in Dick's Sporting Goods of their Colts jerseys, and there's Andrew Luck hanging there. And um, let's see, Todd Bradshaw has some. There's a red. There's Reggie Wayne jerseys. There's all kinds of hats and all that stuff, and the. Display right in front of it is a whole bunch of Denver Broncos number eighteen Peyton Manning jerseys. So <laughs> it's like, ah, I guess they're still trying to sell Peyton Manning. <laughs> just uh, kind of random. You didn't see you didn't see, uh, see Brandon Marshall jerseys from the Bears showing up in Miami very much. So <laughs> um, just random observation. Chad Henney, Jacksonville Jaguars jerseys. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we'll go around the horn, I guess, because we seem to be reaching the end of the show. Uh, So, James, anything left on your mind since you've been quiet for a while? No, I'm I'm exhausted. That's why I'm so quiet tonight. I'm probably right there with you because I keep having to just stop talking so I can breathe because... There's no uh, oxygen coming through the nose right now. Um, yeah, I've also been up to 3 a.m. So. Oh, nice. Well,
1: yeah, thank you for hanging awesome.
0: out with us tonight. I know, uh, I know, this was the highlight of your day. Yeah, <laughs> Duke, what's on it, your mind? It, it, it. Um, um, I think we covered it. I'm good. Okay, James, do you have anything else? Since I cut you off there. No, man, I'm good. Okay. Uh, Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for taking part in the live thread. Um, I'm glad that we're back up and running now. Uh, Blog Talk Radio had technical difficulties, and it took them a little while to get it all sorted out. Uh, There was not anything they could do. I mean, it's not, I'm not like trying to blame them, but they did. So that's why the last two weeks have been we put up the thread, we thought we were having a show, and then we ended up not. So bear with us. We're back up and running now. Um we will be back on Wednesday for the uh T V show, the FinFighter TV. Uh FinFighter Podcast right now. Um we're talking amongst ourselves behind the scenes, thinking maybe we might change the scheduling on it a little bit. Uh we're trying to settle it in on Friday. But because it is Friday night it also becomes a little bit of a hassle to do it. So we may try to move it around a little bit. So bear with us as we do that. We'll always let you know on the site. But for right now, plan on being back with us for the podcast next Friday night. And, of course, you can find us in iTunes. Um, If you want to subscribe to us in iTunes, that way if you do miss the show, it automatically downloads to your phone or your iPod or iPad or whatever you have. We are in iTunes. Um, And, of course, you can always find us on Blog Talk Radio. You can subscribe to us on there. And I think I've done all the spiels. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. At the Finsider At the Earl 007 And at Texas Cow Punk Look at that I got you guys in there tonight too Look at that Nice uh, Texas Cow Punk is James If you haven't been around the site long enough For him to use the uh, The the Texas Cow Punk moniker And uh, Duke Is the Earl 007 Since his last name is early Kind of makes sense there Um uh, but, Yeah, and then I'm at the FinSider. Uh we're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash the We're on YouTube. Uh slash SBN The FinSider. That's SBN the Of course FinSider is still with pH in all of those things. So uh anything else I can spiel at this point? Um No, I don't think so. Uh we'll be back we'll be live Sunday of course with our game thread. So make sure you come hang out with us there. And we'll be covering the Dolphins throughout the week. So, thank you guys, and everybody have a good night. Good night. Good night. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include